This is the West Coast Project podcast for Better Call Saul, and we're up to the very last episode for the recap of Breaking Bad, Season 5, Episode 16, Felina. My name is Mike. I'm here with Kelly, and Kelly, we have a guest. So how are you first, Kelly? I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And do you want to introduce our guest, Dave? Yes, I am thrilled to introduce our special guest. He's a high school teacher, Dave Lehman, and Dave resides in Albuquerque, and he is very well known for writing and placing the Walter White obituary in the Albuquerque Journal. Uh, After we discover that Walt dies, I guess we should say a spoiler there. Um, but he was also on the pilot of Breaking Bad. He's met Vince Gilligan in person, which I'm pretty envious about. Uh, and he has a Breaking Bad page called the Unofficial Breaking Bad Tour. So, um, Dave, I'd like to hear about your uh, whole situation with the obituary. Okay. Uh, well, the obituary in and of itself um, originated because... I thought I was driving to work one day and thought, you know, when someone you love or someone you care about dies, what do you do? You put an obituary in the newspaper. And I thought this would be great. Well, at the time, unofficial Breaking Bad fan tour, the Facebook page, was run by Mark and Ed. And I suggested, I said, you know, I came up with a great idea today. And people all over the page said, you should do it, do it, do it. And I said, all right, I'll do it. Were you ever able to trace, Dave, how much traffic or how many hits it generated? Because it was all over the place. It, it was all over the place, and it was really crazy because I, being a school teacher, I would, <laughs> and being cheap because I don't have a whole lot of money, I said <laughs> I would like, I wanted it to run in the Thursday newspaper because our school got free newspapers on Thursday. And I thought, that'd be great. <laughs> I woke up Friday morning, and... The first thing I hear is on the radio. I sleep with the radio under my bed so I can hear the news in the morning. And I, I woke up with my wife, and it was really early. It was like 5.30 or something. And I said, listen, listen, they're playing. They're talking about the obituary. I was all excited. By the time I get to school, it's all over the place. It's on TMZ. It's on uh, Washington Post, LA Times. It just goes boof, viral, which was amazing. I'd never expected that. I just thought it would be kind of something neat. For the Albuquerque area. Wow, so, that's awesome. Do you know if any of the actors ever saw it or Vince Gilligan I, saw it? I do know that uh, R.J. Mitty saw it and commented. I know that Dean Norris was upset because he didn't get an obituary. <laughs> oh, come on, Dean. <laughs> um, I wanted to let the people know this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the unofficial Breaking Bad fan tour. Well, Breaking Bad is such an iconic show, and Walter White and Albuquerque, you know, I mean, when I was there for the festival, I walked around in my yellow cook suit everywhere I went. I don't remember getting too many odd looks, but I I met Dave when we were cruising around on the Breaking Bad Albuquerque, on the Breaking Bad RV tour uh, with Jackie and Frank uh, Sandoval. So uh, it, it was just a pleasure to meet you in person, and I thought you would be perfect for our uh, last podcast for Breaking Bad before we do the Better Call Saul podcast uh, for Felina. Well, Dave, we made it all the way through. We started at like 208, Kelly 209, when Saul, Better Call Saul was this first appearance. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. We've gone through all the episodes. We're up to Felina, 516. It's the 62nd episode of this series. 
if you want to hang in here and chip in when you remember something, I don't know when the last time you might have watched this episode, Felina, Dave, but if it sparks something in your memory, speak up. Okay, absolutely. Um, but we're, gonna, we're continuing on from where we just finished with Granite State. And, mm-hmm. Kelly, this is the timing I needed help with because Walt leaves that bar in the daytime, leaves his drink on the bar, gets out of there before the cops show up. But it's dark now when he gets into the Volvo. So he's either – and he's still around a place where there's a vehicle, right? He's not back at his cabin. So he's doing something between the light and the dark, and that's the timing that got me tripped up. Well, I would assume that he probably went home, regrouped, you know, and then came back and got his whole plan together. But but home is eight miles of walking. Um, unless he was just hiding out somewhere. Yeah, but- unless it was like 4.30 and the sun went down and it got dark really quick, but... I, I don't know. I don't see how he had enough energy to walk eight miles home and then walk eight miles back. Um, so I'm just guessing that it was like late afternoon and the sun kind of went down. But Walt right. does, he finds this car and he tries to jack the car with a screwdriver and no success, no love. And then the cop car's lights flash through the snow. The car's all protected by snow on the window so he can't be seen. And then they pass by and we hear him do this really cool prayer. And Kelly and Dave, I don't know if you remember this, but just the cool get me home. Who was he talking to when he said, get me home? Was it, was it fate? Was it some God he was praying to? Was it, was it maybe Heisenberg talking to Walt or Walt talking to Heisenberg? What do you guys think? He was talking to, you know, just, just get me home. And the keychain that falls out, like, you know, a God from heaven is, uh, it's supposed to be a narcotics anonymous keychain. And, uh, the tag on it says just for today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, probably just, to, I don't know what his beliefs are, but, you know, just get me home, get me through this. Yeah, it was interesting. Just, I, we'd never really seen Walt pray or be religious before, and here he's kind of praying. Well, here's the, um, the car does start, the keys are in the visor, so the car starts up, this miracle of all miracles, <laughs> the guy leaves the keys in the visor, and Marty Robbins comes on, it's El Paso, and of course <laughs> in that song El Paso is the character Felina, the, the woman that he's kind of crooning after in the song and then of course this is the title of the episode felina um and finale rearranging the letters of course we have finale so it's a pretty cool way to to put all that together with the Mar- marty robbins song right i thought that was excellent you know and there was 10.2 10.2 28 million people uh this was the most watched episode out of all of them i mean that is just a huge audience uh yeah. for a finale yeah, then we see the opening credits, and that was it for the first scene. But he gets immediately out west. His next scene, it opens up. He's in the desert somewhere in New Mexico. And at Kelly, I think you and I had spoken about this way back at the time when we saw Jesse with the RV with the girl in the, in the gas station where he didn't have any money and he paid for it with meth, where Hank found the ATM with the camera. I asked you if that was this gas station, and it obviously was not on my rewatch. It just does not look like the same place. Right, and you know they have the the Better Call Saul the the season premiere posters. They're assuming that that's the same phone booth as well. But yeah, they're they all just probably look like that out there. Maybe Dave, yeah, <laughs> they all kind of look the same. Those um, kind of far off gas stations. Well, he fills up and takes his pills with the hose from the out in the center island of the gas station. That was pretty funny. And then he calls Elliot and Gretchen. Uh, or Elliot and Gretchen's agent, Susan, about a photo shoot or an interview or some some reason to get in touch with them. And he gets their address. That was pretty smart. 
Um, and then, Kelly, you must have a fun fact about this watch. What do you know about this watch he leaves on the on the telephone? Yeah, they were saying about this watch that there was a continuity error and that they had to, he took it off because he hadn't been wearing it before. And then some people thought it because time was running out. Uh, but I've never really quite known what was the truth on this. Yeah, I heard on the Insider podcast that that's what Gilligan said, that they kind of goofed up and they left it on when he shouldn't have had it. He shouldn't have had it at the end, and he had it there, so they had to get rid of it somehow, and that's how they got rid of it. But it turned out to be pretty, I don't know, it's pretty cool that he left his gift of his really expensive watch just out there for whoever might come across it. The place where that watch is left is also the scene where you see uh, Saul at the phone booth, same spot. Oh, we were just talking about that. That is the same area, huh? Exact same spot. Okay. That's cool. Walt makes it to Gretchen and Elliot's house, and he's just stalking in the courtyard. If you weren't watching this closely, you might not have even noticed him at first in the background there in the courtyard. I um, did not. Yeah, so he goes, he gets in, they come home, and he comes in right in and starts looking around at their stuff. He's very calm. And it, you're right, Kelly, about this granite state. He is in a granite state. He's like a zombie. He's just so calm, and he looks like, almost like a caveman who comes into a house for the first time. Do you notice that? He's like touching the wall, like the paint, and he's touching everything. Like this all so new to him. Well, I think there's that enviousness because it's so grandeur, and he hasn't obviously had that. But you know what I found? Uh, this is a little tidbit of information about that house. It is the owner's house of Twisters, where Los Pollos Hermanos is actually Twisters. That is the owner's house. So he, he surprises them. Gretchen turns around and squawks when she sees him, and... Elliot comes out holding his cheese knife out, and he's Elliot's a mousy little fucker, man. I didn't, I didn't like him at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> and Walt says, "I'm here to give you something. It's in my car." And at that point, I thought, "Okay, this is it. This is we're gonna see that M60 in action." <laughs> um, but no, it's the money. Walt makes them stack up the, and they they do say nine nine million seven hundred twenty thousand dollars. And uh, while they're doing that, there's a there's a bowl of lemons or oranges. Kelly, do you notice that in the background or the foreground? Nope, I didn't. I've never heard that mentioned before. You think that's another um, Godfather reference? Got to be in there for some reason. It looked like maybe lemons and not oranges, but it was a big bowl of them right on the table on the kitchen counter in the foreground. David, you heard anything about that? I I have not, but it would obviously I can. I know that for sure that there's a lot of hidden meanings in a lot of these things. That they yeah. <laughs> nothing, is, nothing is accidental. <laughs> so no. Walt's plan is that Junior's birthday is in 10 months and two days. I guess he's going to be 18, and they want, he wants them to give the money to him in an irrevocable trust. Um, and Gilligan really shines again here because this is a genius way to process this money. Um, without really hurting, you know, it would have been brutal if he just shot Gretchen and Elliot and murdered them. So he uses them in a, in a positive way. Just genius writing, I thought. Elliot agrees to it all too quickly. No, he's just shining them on. And, uh-huh. and Walt makes them shake on it. Like, here's another mannerism being employed here, Kelly and Dave, where he makes them shake on it like Jack does. Yes. And this might be his final one. I don't remember another one after this. Uh, maybe maybe you guys can pick one out as we go through this review. But they do start to play a little laser tag. Now, laser tag is not dead yet. We see some laser tag with our old friends. Um, mm-hmm. He spent $200,000 with the two best hitmen west of the Mississippi. Boom. And it's Badger and Pete. 
Mm-hmm. You know what's awesome too is those were real pointers. There was no enhancements on those. They had the prop guys in the out in the backyard, all in black, pointing those through the window. But you know, I God, I never thought that. How are they going to bring Skinny Pete and Badger back? Who Skinny Pete, <laughs> Charles Baker, which you probably met Dave at the festival. Yeah, yeah. Cool guy. And you know, him and I were talking about this, and he said, you know, I think the the people, the fans, would have rioted if they didn't see these two guys come back. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love Skinny Pete. I love Charles Baker. Do you guys think that they gave the money in the 10 months and two days to the White family? Do you think Gretchen think, and Elliot came through? I think so, because of the fact that there was that fear factor. They were gullible. Um, they were not street smart. And so I think they would have followed through. What do you think, Kelly? I absolutely agree. I think they were just the fear that there's somebody out there that's following them. And, you know, they don't need the money, and they're scared, so why not? So Pete, Skinny Pete and Badger are feeling guilty all about this, but they get $10,000, and that makes them each, and that makes them feel a little bit better. But they have to return the lasers. Walt wants those lasers back. <laughs> uh, and then they reveal, yeah. they reveal that the meth is still floating around, and this is news to Walt, I think, because he gets actually pretty angry. He deduces that it's Jesse, and this makes him angry. He wants to get Jesse again, take him out again. Um, but Badger and Pete make him think, or they thought at least he was in Alaska. So we hear Alaska again. And we see the dream scene of Jesse in his box making the wooden box. It's a pretty cool scene. Kelly, do you remember this one? He was all clean shaven and no scars. He looked very peaceful and very healthy when he was working on this wooden box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was his way of escape. Just horrible situation. Right, Dave? Yes, exactly. Uh, I think it was more of, his where he wants to be, not where he is. Yeah, we do see where he really is. He's still in the Nazi camp, just chained on that dog run and cooking kind of mindlessly. So next we see, we kind of mesh up now back with what we've already seen. Walt's at the breakfast again with the 52 bacon being made. And we saw in the very first episode, 501, live free or die. Um, and we're back in sync now with all that. He gets the ricin from the wall outlet at the, at the White House with Heisenberg graffitied on the wall. And then we get a quick flashback of his first birthday, the first birthday party that we ever saw. Everyone looks so young in this scene where Hank was taunting him to go on a ride along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's mm-hmm. having their flashbacks. Jesse's having his flashback. He's having his flashback. You know, people are kind of going back into nicer times. Yep. So we're getting down to it now. Lydia, we see Lydia getting her chamomile tea with soy milk and, um, Walt's sitting there. We didn't notice. I didn't notice Walt right at first, but he's sitting there on the end of the bar. Todd shows up, and they meet face to face nowadays. They don't do the stupid back to back game, Kelly. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that there is no point now. Now it would just look weird. Todd and Lydia seem to be having a more normal relationship, a more normal conversation. Like he's more equal with her now. What do you mm-hmm. guys think? Yes, he feels empowered more so. And so yeah, Walt. Well- Two percent came in. She's all, you know, kind of jocking on him a little bit more. Yeah, maybe. So Walt does show up at their table. He's all scabby and scrubby looking and asks for two minutes of their time. And um, he offers up a recipe for cooking without methylamine that he'll sell for a million dollars. And uh, they ask how he's, how do you know that we would be here? And he reminds Lydia that every Tuesday at 10 a.m. they had meetings. So she's uh, very schedule oriented. And yes. her schedule-oriented personality pours the stevia, stevia right into the tea. 
Uh, Walt's story is pretty believable here, though. He's out of money. He's one step ahead of the law. He needs help. He needs resources. Um, but really what he wanted from this meeting were two things. He wanted that Stevia to go into the tea, and he wanted to set up a meeting with uh, Jack and the crew at the at the hideout. And he yeah, got both of them. Yeah, that same chair with Lydia when he had that, when he looked all cool in his Heisenberg gear, and he had that rice underneath his Heisen hat. You know, and you fast forward to now, and he's coughing, and you can tell that Lydia's kind of embarrassed by him. Yeah, do you think they overdid it with the stevia stevia delivery into the cup? No, I think it was perfect. It was a setup that had been waiting for a while because he remember he had to go get back. He had to go back to get the rice, and so he really was planning this out for a while. Yeah, I liked it too. Some people have criticized it as being too obvious. All right, we get it, but uh, I liked it too. I thought it was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and now we we see Walt in gun making mode. He's out in the desert, that old house in the desert. And Kelly, have we ever seen that house before? Is that from any other thing that we know about in the series? Not that I can recall, but you know what's crazy about the ricin in this M60 is, uh, as I've mentioned, Vince Gilligan and the writers had no idea what they were going to do with these two things. So you know it's crazy how they have to bring the stuff uh, twofold. But no, I don't. I don't remember ever seeing where he's at. That doesn't look familiar. Does it to you, Dave? No. Yeah, I don't think it's anything. I remember hearing about them talk about on the Insider podcast this how they set up this gun invention. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's it's the M60 big machine gun. There's a sawzall. There's a garage door opener with a remote. Mm-hmm. There's the remote trunk pop opener. There's ratchets, car battery, and a door lock, and probably some other stuff I didn't notice. But they figured out, and they actually really made this thing work, they said on the Insider podcast. Yep. Yeah, exactly how it was shown was exactly how it worked. There was no uh, fluffing it up at all. It was exactly how it was advertised. So, Kelly, this ring, we see the ring again. This is mysterious to me, this ring on the string around his neck. It pops out of his shirt again, and he just puts it kind of back away. Yeah, I think he's just trying to remind the audience of where he's really going. He's just trying. The only thing he has left is his family, or and he doesn't even really have that left. So right. I think it's just kind of a symbolic meeting. Like you know, I'm still thinking of Skyler, and I'm doing this for my family. God damn it! Yeah, it yeah. could be. He does show up at the White House next, but it's the new crappier White House where uh, <laughs> Skyler is. Marie's warning on, on the phone, warning Skyler about Walt showing up in town. I guess they found the Volvo. Um, and Walt's actually there, a cool way that they revealed Walt in that scene with the camera movement. movement. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys think he got there with all the police around everywhere? He's kind of like a ghost in this seat, in this episode. He uh, disappears and appears in places. I don't think they were looking for him at the time as far as they are not going to scout out the house. Only, only a fool would do something like that. And, you know, at this point... I think desperation, he, he goes for it. Yeah, it's curious, though, because Marie's on the phone warning her about Walt showing up and saying that guys are come on their way over there. Mm-hmm. Know, it's kind of mysterious. Um, this is Marie's last scene, too. That's the last time we see her. Oh, is it? Yeah, I guess so. Huh? Yeah, and she's right? the first time she's reached out to Skylar since the whole thing has happened, and this is the first time the DEA is learning about Walt but, you know, like we said before, when he was at Denny's that time, that no one was looking for that Volvo. It was from another state. So, you know, maybe he's just really careful on how he gets to these places. 
Well, yeah, mm-hmm. he seems to be pretty meticulous. He's a pretty he's a pretty plan planning guy. Yeah, he calculates, which is why he and Gus got along well. Right. They both were very calculating. So Walt's there to say goodbye. It's it's the I guess he says the last call that he made to Skylar when he kind of railed against her with the police listening and it wasn't the proper way to say goodbye. And he tells Skylar it's over and that makes Skylar worried. Kelly, that if he's in custody, who's left out there that would leave her in danger? She's still worried about this pretty pretty reasonably, mm-hmm. I think. And then Walt lies about the money being all gone. And uh, But he does offer up one thing to her, the gravesite where Walter and uh, where, where Hank and Gomez are buried. And um, mm-hmm. I think I also heard on this Insider podcast that that probably would have been pretty valuable to the DEA, knowing where they could recover these bodies, that she could trade mm-hmm. it. For some leniency, right. absolutely. Anne Marie, you know, her poor sister doesn't know where Hank is either. Now we hear the right. pretty profound line that that Walt admits he did it all for himself. I did it for me, and I liked it. It made me feel alive. Um, I think the audience needed to hear that too, but Skylar certainly needed to hear it. It became selfish after. Skylar and Walt are saying goodbye here. Um, it's really pretty sad. Pretty sad little scene. Um, and then we see Walt tells Holly goodbye with just a touch to her blonde little head. She's never going to know him. That's the last he'll ever see of her. She'll never know this guy mm-hmm. as her father. You know what's sad about that, too, is Andy Vogelai, the, com- the camera operator. He was a new dad at the time, and he started crying through the lens. Uh, and then Aaron Paul came back, uh, even though he wasn't in the scene, came back for the final scene just to kind of show support and was on the backside of the wall crying so how emotional would this have been with Holly, the little baby? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. well, not for her, but for the adults, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the DEA sees Junior come home now, too, and um, but they don't see Walt. Walt's a ghost, man. He's getting in and out of all these. These guys are sitting right there in their car watching Sky, Skyler's house, but they don't see Walt in the next building over. And Walt also says goodbye to Junior kind of silently through the window. Um, and then he kind of fades away. Walt backs away, and he kind of goes out in a blur. Pretty cool photography. Uh, but yeah, it's sad to Walt yeah, to never was... see Junior grow up, never see him be a man, never see him as an adult, you know, making his way through life. Just really sad. Uh, pretty heavy scenes here that they're dropping all this uh, realization down that Walt's saying goodbye to these people. Dave, what were you saying? You were surprised? I was surprised that he didn't try one last attempt to physically contact Walt Jr. Uh, obviously, he spoke to him when he was at school through the phone call, and there was that hatred there for his father. But he, when he sees him, he sees him get off the bus and walking in the house, and that you think, well, aren't you going to say anything? And he, he doesn't. It's too much heat. He couldn't risk it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if Walt Jr. would even have spoken to him back if exactly. he could. Exactly. He probably would have caused a scene and got him in trouble. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we go to the Nazi compound, getting right to the end here. Kenny admires the Cadillac. Uh, Kelly, there ain't no replacement for displacement. Did you catch that line? Did you know as a if, as an auto fan, do you know what that means? No, uh-uh. I was proud of Gilligan because I don't think very many people do know what that means. I bet a fraction of the audience knows what that means. I'm, I'm glad that Gilligan was brave enough to keep it in that text. 
Um, but displacement just means the size of the motor. And Kenny was being a real car hound here, and he was just saying there's no replacement for having a big-ass heavy motor in your car. I gotcha. But Gilligan knew that not many people would know that, and he still left it in there. I I just really like how he writes bravely like that. doesn't Mm -hmm. care if some people don't get it, that they'll figure it out. Um, But Walt pulls up sideways, not the way Kenny tells him to. He pulls up sideways to facilitate this plan that he has. And um, they frisk him and take away his wallet and keys, and I thought things got really tense here. I didn't want those keys to get too far away from, from him, from his hand. Um, that was really important. And it, even on the rewatch, I felt that same feeling. Um, well, I think they frisked him. I mean, he thought of everything. Like, he couldn't come in with anything wired to him like a bomb. You know, who would have thought he had, a, he had the whole thing out in the trunk? So, mm-hmm. yeah, Bob got taken out of his hand. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And thinking, you know, does he understand what type of material he has to punch through in order to get these guys? Right. You know, I don't know. Had he been to the compound before to visit them? Other, No, I but I think he picked that gun for that. I mean, that thing, that compound probably had six-inch cinder block on Right. And we'll see that we'll see what that thing does in a minute here. Oh but yeah. Did he visit him when he when he was doing the prison? Yeah, he was there before. Yeah. He made the he made the deal to hit. Oh yeah. Um, yeah Jack the first thing Jack does is admire his hair. <laughs> Jack's all chipper and Mr. Comedian here. He admires Walt's hair and um tells him he's not in the market for any methylamine. Lydia can get it for them now. Um, Kelly, what do you think Walt was angling for here? Why didn't he just um, Why didn't he just dive after that key fob and push the button? What, what was he, he was looking for Jesse to show up, or what do you think? Right. He wanted to see Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, I I think he wanted to see Jesse too. I, at this point, this is when I wanted him to save Jesse, and the only mm. way he could do that is by getting Jesse out there. Because uh, he didn't know if he was going to die in this gunfire, and then Jesse'd be stuck down in some dungeon somewhere. So yeah, I think he wanted to see prove that he was still cooking and get him out of there. Well, he wanted to he wanted yeah. to kill Jesse at this point. But I think he wanted that person. He wanted to make sure that Jesse was still alive and that he was okay. And I, I don't I think like he wanted, he wanted to kill Jesse at this point. I think he does. I think he's angry at Jesse until he sees him and realizes he's a captive under Jack's captivity. Yeah, there's yeah. still anger there. What? There's still I think there's still anger there toward Jesse at that point. But Jesse started to look at Walt as a father figure, and I think Walt appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesse's not even in the room yet. At this point right. in Walt's head, he wants Jesse in that room so oh, yeah. he will get taken out by the gun. Yeah. When they go get Jesse, he sees differently. He understands that he's just a, just a captive of these guys. But I have another question for you guys. What is the living situation of these dudes in this, ha- in this camp? <laughs> they all have their own rooms and their own bathrooms and showers or in the one big bunk room or what? what do you, how do you think these guys lived out there? Uh, well, I live close to how fr- some some of my friends and bands live. They usually have you know <laughs> maybe two to a room and maybe one or two bathrooms, but they don't look like they're overly fancy guys. You know, they're living out there obviously to be under the out of the eyesight of the law. <laughs> yeah, something tells me they've been to prison before. They don't mind having the shower and the bunks. Yeah, right. 
Great point, yeah. Dave. Great point. Yeah. So Walt's hand closes over the remote, and I knew all was going to be okay when I saw that happen. I mean, at this point, Jesse has shown up. Uh, he's, Todd's gone and gotten him, and he looks like a lap dog. He just follows Todd over, hobbling through his shackles. And Walt realizes he's not cooking under his own volition. He's being forced to cook for these guys. And so, so Walt tackles him essentially to save him. At this point, he wants to help Jesse now. And right. um, he pushes the button and starts the party. And this was just awesome, this thing going off, this M60. Shot through everything, man. Windows, cinder block, mm. pool tables, the refrigerator, the sharper image recliner. <laughs> yeah, that recliner, uh, Vince Gilligan wanted that in there as a little bit of comedic relief because it was kind of funny out of all of this that they had this stupid recliner going, you know, and they wanted to uh, have, uh, what's his name, Kevin? Kenny. Kenny. They wanted to have Kenny kind of at a lower um eyesight than the rest of them kind of lower down and he gets shot through that thing it's actually pretty gruesome yeah it's kind of jiggling his body as he's on the recliner Mm -hmm. pretty pretty funny slash sick yeah and um the gun kind of runs out of bullets and todd takes a peek out the window todd's such a dope man and jesse (laughs) gets up behind him and gets him that was pretty satisfying watching jesse that was poetic it really was poetic um, I was there punching the sky and running around in circles like, yes, finally, because <laughs> Jesse finally gets his, you know, I mean, yeah. this, he's been kept a captive. He's just been manipulated. I mean, God, he's down at yeah. the, he's lost his family, Jane, Andrea. Yeah. By so. Todd's hands. Yeah. It was exciting to see him take him out like that. Yeah. Nothing personal. <laughs> right. So there was one more mannerism, I guess. I was I spoke too early a minute ago. The, the ma- last mannerism is Walt getting to Jack, and he absorbs his last mannerism by shooting him mid sentence as he's trying to say, "I can get. You, I'll tell you where the money is. If you kill me, you won't know where it is." And bam, he just ends it. Cool little photography, a little lens flare showing a blood on the lens or the blood going somewhere. It looks pretty cool. I like how he asked for a cigarette, like he could go out, like, you know, let me at least have a cigarette in my mouth. Like Robert Mitchum in World War II? Yeah. Do you like the way um, Walt and Jesse traded this gun back and forth, like do it, do it yourself? Did you like that last scene with them? Yeah, it couldn't just be obvious, like, okay, well, I'll shoot you, you know. I mean, at first I thought when Jesse got the gun in his hand, like, he's going to take him out and that's going to be the end of the show. But Jesse being Jesse, he's not going to do it. He's not going to have any more blood on his hands. Yeah, he has. he's killed enough people. And and that's not Jesse. That's not who Jesse was. And right. he turned into that and he didn't want to be that. So, so uh, Todd's phone rings after he's laying there dead in his pocket, and it's Lydia. Oh, Lydia! Lydia's phone ring uh, ringer yes. is and she's calling, and uh, she's not looking very good, you guys. She's got this. Uh, she she's looking like she has a flu, fourth day of the flu. But she learns her real fate. Walt kind of talks to her and tells her, pretty horrific and fantastic at the same time. Yeah. Right. They had they had her. You know how it was funny because they had that Lydia ringtone it sounded kind of funny but they did that you remember how todd had that ringtone when walt would call for thomas dolby science yeah mm-hmm. um so they did that purposely um because they couldn't figure out a way like why would walt be answering a phone call of this dead kid 
so they made that ringtone of Lydia to make it more obvious that she was calling. Mm-hmm. Pretty genius. Pretty good writing. Yeah. So Walt and Jesse kind of nod each other goodbye across oh. the lot there. Um, and Jesse screams away in that El Camino. Now, Kelly, he tried to buy an El Camino once from Badger's cousin, right? The guy in the junkyard. Correct. And he got the cheap car instead because he couldn't afford the El Camino. Well, he finally gets the El Camino. Yes, he does. Pretty cool. Did you think he was going to run Walt over when he zoomed right past him? No. No, I didn't think <laughs> Never a doubt. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> wait, wait. He just wanted out. Yeah. Or he's, maybe he's trying to tap into this phone call. can hear something, something happening. Um <laughs> oh, that's, that's my my ringtone. But he just screams. Uh, Jesse just screams with joy and screams away through the gate. It was pretty good. And yeah. then Walt, Walt goes over to the lab, says his final goodbye to that love, the laboratory. And we hear Bad Fingers, Baby Blue, come on. Perfect. Walt, perfect. All right. Perfect ending. Walt collapses and dies, and the authorities swarm over that Nazi camp. And then we see that one last ascending camera shot, kind of a la the heroin high and the crawl space ascending camera away from the scene pretty cool ending mm-hmm. well they wanted they did have we have to notice that uh walt was wearing the same apparel that he wore through the compound that he did in the pilot and it was the beige slacks the the uh, pastel jacket the green shirt and the white undershirt um and then if you notice at the beginning of when the pilot how does it begin when he thinks that the cops are coming with the sirens blaring? And how mm-hmm. does it end with the cops coming and the sirens blaring? So, right. you know, things that they think of, I, it's just never-ending amazement. Mm-hmm. Comes full circle. And, mm-hmm. that, and that was it for the Breaking Bad series. So, Kelly, we finished them all off. We're going to do our Better Call Saul preview, and it'll probably air sometime over the weekend on our podcast on West Coast Project. Um, did you have any last... Better Call Saul fun facts or Breaking Bad fun facts as we wrap up this Breaking Bad series recap? Uh, Just a couple that the M60 was the same one that Rambo used. Uh, You know, Vince Gilligan, as we know, is is famous for for using things in other movies and things that he likes. Uh, And if the listeners are watching the end, they can see when... um, when Brian Cranston or I guess Walter White's putting his hand on his precious, which is the lab that you can see the blood stain is supposed to be in the shape of a W. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. and also John, he had credited, uh, John Wayne film, the searchers, um, for kind of the ending of the, the scene. So just lots of cool things to look for uh, when you're watching these shows and all the symbolism and of course if you find any of that stuff and want to share it you can always uh, share it to us on our Twitter or our um, Facebook pages and what is your Twitter Kelly how would they find you to do that uh, BRBA excuse me BRBA underscore fun facts okay and your fun facts website I have Breaking Bad Fun Facts and Better Call Saul Fun Facts on Facebook. And the same name uh, would be also, you can find me on Instagram. So we're going to be doing Better Call Saul. Are you going to keep your Breaking Bad stuff going? Yep. Okay. And Dave, <laughs> Dave, do you have any Twitter or websites that you want to put out that people can visit you oh. and ask you questions on? Yeah, the one that I'd like to uh, put out there is the Facebook for the unofficial Breaking Bad fan tour. Um, I'm the administrator of that. If you type in Dave Lehman and you see Vince Gilligan in front of an obituary shirt, that's me. Awesome. Well, that was great marketing. Great idea. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, so Kelly, we'll that. catch up next over the weekend with our preview, and then we're going to do Uno. Uno's the first episode of Better Call Saul. That'll air Sunday. We'll do our podcast Monday, and you'll hear about it here on West Coast Project. When I